Now we're going to have a reading for today, followed by a prayer for others. This morning's reading comes from Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord God, as we meet together online again at the start of another year, we remember and give thanks for all the times you have been with us during the past year, for the times when we doubted and you strengthened us, for the times when we were afraid and you gave us courage, for the times when we were almost overcome with worry and you gave us peace. We thank you. And we ask that you will be with us as we go through another uncertain year and help us always to remember that you are with us at all times. Father, we are again living with uncertainty and trepidation regarding the COVID pandemic. Case numbers are rising and we heard again this week about the possibility of Nightingale hubs needing to be used to supplement our hospitals. Lord, while we thank you that these resources are there, we pray that they might never be needed or used. And we beg you, Lord, that this might be the last variant of the virus and that this year would see the end of the pandemic. Send your healing power over our world to cleanse it. Lord, these restrictions on our lives are hard to cope with and some jobs are in jeopardy again. We ask for your Spirit's help to enable us to get through this difficult time. We pray for those who are suffering from mental health problems, that they might know your healing hands, that those suffering from anxiety and depression might be healed and may know your love and peace. We give you thanks for our amazing NHS staff, doctors, nurses, those who work in the vaccination centres, those who keep our hospitals and centres clean, and those who do the admin work. We know that they are getting tired, and we pray for continued strength for them in the coming weeks and months ahead. Lord, there is uncertainty also in your church at this time, and we pray for guidance as this year progresses with our planning for the future. For our church here at Barclay Viewforth, for our presbytery with the planning there, and for your church across the nation. May your name be known and worshipped in this land. May mission and the taking of your love to those around us in our communities be our guiding vision throughout this year. Lord, we are your church and your people. Help us to be true to you in all that we do and say. And hear all our prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've got a confession to make this morning. 
I have to confess that this sermon is not really mine. It's one that I have uh, tweaked a little and I've shortened it a lot. But it's it's based on a talk that was given by uh, Robert Madhu at the leadership conference that I attended uh, in London. And the title is Run the Race Set Before You. As was read to us, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. It's an incredible thought that God has set this race before us. And that we're expected to run it. But how are we supposed to do that? Well, the writer to the Hebrews goes on just to tell us exactly how we're to do it. Verse 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I want to be part of the story um, of uh, David, and it's from 1 Samuel 18, it's verses 5 to 9. It says, whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it, and did it well. So well that Saul put him in charge of his military operations. Everybody, both the people in general and Saul's servants, approved of and admired David's leadership. As they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath, The women poured out of all the villages of Israel singing and dancing and welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs and lutes. In playful frolic, the women sang, Saul kills by the thousand, David by the ten thousand. Well, this made Saul angry, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. From that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. The writer to the Hebrews says that we run our race by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. But here we have Saul, because of a comparison other people made, no longer running his race, because his focus and attention has shifted onto David. So many people today can't run the race that God has set before them, because their focus is on the people in the lanes next to them. You know, I know that one or two people in the congregation love to run. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you would choose to go out in all weather to run. It hurts your knees and your ankles. You struggle to breathe. I suppose at least if you go outside, you actually go somewhere. If you're on a treadmill, it's even worse. Because you're running and running and getting nowhere. I used to go to the gym. 
and I would see people looking at each other. And I have to admit to occasionally doing it myself, although I would do it on the bike or the rowing machine. You know, you can glance over and see what level the person next to you is on. And you might think, <laughs> they're only level six. I'm on level nine. <laughs> That's great. And you would pedal away. And then you think, but they're pedaling faster than me. So you start to speed up a wee bit. And you think, oh, they'd put their level up. Uh, I better put my level up. And you, you begin to get into this competition. Same with rowing. You'd be rowing away and you think, oh, I can know it. This is great. I can keep up with this. And then the person starts to go that little, just that little bit faster. I think, oh, I better, I better speed up a wee bit. I better speed up. And then all of a sudden you're going daft and you're killing yourself to try and keep up with the person next to you. And in a way, comparing yourself to other people at the gym, it, it's okay because actually that, that little bit of competition, that little element of I need to try to, to keep up, I need to try a bit harder, that's okay at the gym. But it's not right in life. So today the question is, who are you racing? Is there someone in your life and you've set your eye on them and you're running according to their pace instead of doing the thing that God has called you to do? When you run in a treadmill, you expend a lot of energy, a lot of sweat, a lot of movement, but you never get anywhere. And it's the same with comparing yourself to other people. All you end up doing is exerting a lot of psychological, emotional and spiritual energy, trying to keep up with someone you were never called or created to be. And in the end, you realise, I'm in exactly the same position as when I started. I don't know about you, but I know that I find myself making comparisons. And I think that our enemy, the devil, uses our proclivity to compare against us. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. He began to compare himself with God and decided to exalt himself rather than give glory to God. He uses comparison to kill and steal and destroy. Comparison is the thief of joy. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. It's not wise to compare ourselves with others. Why? Because comparison will consistently cloud the clarity of God's call on your life. Every one of us has a call that God has placed on our lives. It's not something for special people or for holy people. Every one of God's people has their own calling. It's not random. It's unique and specific. It's designed for you and nobody else. You're not on this earth by accident. You're here because God has put you here for this time and for this place and for this people. 
Calling is not the same as career or job. They're what you get paid to do. A calling is what you are made to do. God has already given you all you need to fulfil the call. If you were supposed to be taller, he would have made you taller. If you were supposed to be a model, he would have made you cuter. If you were supposed to sing, he would have given you a voice. Stop complaining about the pieces you didn't get and praise him because you are your own masterpiece. You've been carefully created and meticulously made by a God who is obsessed with you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God's plan has been from eternity. He is a strategic God and even before you were born he had marked out a race for you to run. What we need to do is to get in our lane and keep our eyes on Jesus. It sounds great and it sounds easy when you say it like that, but we find it so difficult. It's like when you're in traffic and all of the other lanes seem to be going faster than the one you're in. So you indicate and you sometimes maybe even push your way out And you move. But then you discover the other lane you were in is now moving more quickly. So you come over, back in. And then you go into the inside lane and it's like, oh, now the outside lane's moving. I've certainly done that. If you look at a racetrack, a lane is made up of two lines. There are two lines that mark out where athletes have to run. And as believers, I think we all have two destinies. The first is universal, and it's what we become, it's that we become more and more like Jesus every day. But we also have another destiny, and that's to become unlike anybody that God ever created, because we are unique. He has made us unique. So every day we are to become more like Jesus and more unlike anybody else that God ever created. That's why many of us need to get out of the habit of saying, oh I'm just or I'm only. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a housewife. I just work in a bank. I just, I only. But that's your lane. That's where God has put you. Saul had been running his race. He looked like a king. He was handsome. He talked like a king. He was chosen to be the king. 
and God blessed him. But when the brightness of the blessing blinds you to the blesser, the blessing itself becomes a curse. Let me say that again. When the brightness of the blessing blinds you to the blesser, the blessing itself becomes a curse. Saul was more concerned with being the king than worshipping the king. David, out on the hillside with the sheep, was concerned with being in the presence of God. He's called a man after God's heart. He wasn't looking for fame or for recognition. He ended up fighting Goliath because he was offended that Goliath was ridiculing God. That was a moment of destiny for David. In that moment, David's life changed because he found that he was running his race. But at that moment, Saul also had a destiny moment. Because he started comparing himself with David. He couldn't really bring himself to rejoice with David. He couldn't really thank God for the victory. When he heard those women saying that he had killed thousands, but David tens of thousands, he was offended. He took it as a personal insult, we're told, and said they credit him with ten thousands and me with only thousands. And that's where the downward spiral started for Saul. He took his eyes off God and started with the and me attitude. You know what it's like. You're very happy that uh, you've just got a new car. And somebody go, oh, it's only a Volkswagen. I got a BMW. Or you go to a minister's conference, and trust me, these are competitive people sometimes. And you're delighted because you've had five new members this year. And somebody will go, Oh, I had 16 baptisms, 28 professions of faith just last week. That's the kind of attitude that keeps us from our lane and our race. It's great that somebody is doing well. It's great that other congregations are flourishing. Even if sometimes ours isn't a time of struggle. It's great to see growth across congregations. And we need to rejoice with every congregation, with every person whose life is being transformed by God. But when we start to compare And as, as leaders in the church, you know, it's easy to think, what am I doing wrong? When they're, they're growing so fast and they're doing so well. But we need to remember that's their race and we are in our race. And that attitude of comparing 
is not healthy. And it can end up with us feeling frustrated and defeated. You were created to be you. God made you. And you are a masterpiece. He has plans for you. And if you don't run your race, you will suffer and so will we. And so will our community. I want to say that again because I think it's really important. You were created to be you. And whatever you do, wherever you work, whatever your hobbies are, whatever you're doing and long to do, you were created to be you. And God wants to use you in the way that he created doesn't matter how old you are or how qualified you feel you are unique and you need to become more like Jesus and less like anyone else I don't know what God's unique call on your life is only you and God know that But when people are living out their call, when people are running their race in their lane, it becomes quite obvious. Your call might not be as dramatic as fighting Goliath. It might be. Maybe just a different kind of giant in today's world. But when you respond to the call of God on your life, his promise is that he will be with you, he will support you and encourage you. He will keep you. He will bless you. Now I don't want to make that seem as if you'll never have any difficulties in your life. Because that's not true. Life isn't like that. The world isn't like that. But what it means is that whatever you face, whatever the battle, whatever the struggle, you know that you are in your line, running your race with the unique set of skills and emotions and everything that God has given to you because you are unique and because he loves you. And he wants what's best for you. And so as we come to this new year, I want to just encourage you. If you are already in that place, if you are already in your lane and you are already running your race with God, then bless you. (coughs) I want to 
I want to hold you in prayer. Say, go on, be a cheerleader. Say, go on, go for it. If you think, I'm not quite there yet, then I want to encourage you to spend time with God and say, what is it that you have for me? What is my destiny? What is it you, you, you want me to do? How am I meant to run this race for you? Because as you do that, all of us will benefit and be blessed. So this year, I just want to encourage you to go with it, with God. To keep your eyes fixed on him. To run that race. It's easy to say. What I want to also say is that we need to support and encourage each other as we do it. When we see that there are people who are struggling with what God has asked them to do, then we can support and help. If there are people who are struggling to find their lane, then we can support and help. If you know that there's somebody who is really good at something and you feel that, that, that God might be calling to, to that, you could have a conversation. Don't go up and say, God's calling you to... It doesn't really work. But you could have a conversation. Have you ever thought about... When athletes talk about having been at big competitions, they talk about the support they receive from the cheers of the crowd. And for us there are two ways that that happens. First is by our brothers and sisters supporting and encouraging and cheering on. But we're also told about a great cloud of witnesses. The angels. Heaven watches and cheers us on. And so I want to encourage you this year to find your lane and to run in it. To enjoy life with God. And also when you have that opportunity to cheer on other people as they go for it too. Amen.